0: In a giant Chicago convention center last month, the Bernie faithful gathered to try and figure out how to make sure bernie momentum doesn't end when Bernie Sanders' presidential campaign eventually does.
1: It's, I'll tell you personally, I have to tell you thank you because it is
2: so wonderful to be in a room full of people of the non-co-opted and non-uncompromised. Thank you for that.
0: The event was the People's Summit. I am so
2: sick of my own generation, frankly, capitulating to everything that's
0: out there. And it was a gathering of lefties from across the country. These were mostly people who supported Bernie for president. They were big-time organizers and low-level grassroots activists. Bernie stickers were everywhere, but the man himself did not attend. The event was sponsored by one of the biggest boosters of the Sanders campaign, the National Nurses United Union. That was the group which sponsored the only super PAC that backed Bernie Sanders. They paid for a bus to follow him around. They were the union that was the closest to Bernie Sanders' campaign. At the event in Chicago, there were rousing speeches, breakout sessions, late night huddling over beer in the hotel bar. It was three days of talking nonstop about one topic. What can progressives do now to hold on to the huge surge of progressivism unleashed by Bernie Sanders over the past year. How can feel the burn go on without Bernie Sanders? This is No One Knows Anything, the politics podcast from BuzzFeed News. I'm Evan McMorris Santoro. Today, what's next for progressives? What is the plan? I spent three days at the People's Summit talking to everyone I could about what happens to progressives after Bernie. You're going to hear from a lot of those people today. You're also going to hear from a top reporter covering what we're calling here at the podcast, the afterburn, the next phase for the left in 2016. So joining me to talk about all this is BuzzFeed's politics editor, Catherine Miller. Catherine, back again. Thank you for coming on the show. You're welcome. So this idea, this Bernie or bust hashtag, this idea that all these Sanders supporters are not going to vote for Democrats but they're instead going to do some other kind of thing. That's basically, it's just a hashtag, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, first of all, polling kind of indis- indicates that that is the case, that, it, that there's less life to that than it maybe seems. But also, Twitter is not necessarily real life.
0: I think the best example of this is, is like, because there were a lot of people who actually sort of on the fringes of politics that really thought that Bernie was like their big moment. And I had this funny conversation with this guy in Chicago who is like an actual he's a capital S socialist, he's a real socialist, right? This is how he votes, I'm a socialist. And I was talking about Bernie and he he said this really funny thing about what he thought Bernie was gonna mean for socialism.
2: I mean it's been transformative. I mean I think that I mean I've been a socialist for many, many years and there's always been that pushback because of the historical legacy of, of Stalin, you know? People who think that socialism automatically leads to that. We have said that it doesn't. And now I think that, you know, particularly in the United States, uh, the most powerful capitalist country in the world, people are seeing this as not just uh, not a dirty term, but something that they are energized by and want to organize around, I think, has been really transformative.
0: Imagine you have a political movement and the big barrier that you see to entry to your political movement is Stalin. And you're like, well, finally, in 2016... Finally, we've gotten this replacement for Stalin, and it's Bernie Sanders.
1: One of our colleagues was actually talking about this—that one of the big barriers for Bernie in places like Florida with Latino voters was their experience with, with you know, socialist regimes in Latin America and how badly that had gone. So, I so there's something realistic to the idea that Stalin is holding you back.
0: Yeah. So they may change those posters from Stalin's face to Bernie's face. So that might—I think that's just basically gonna be the end of it. Um, One thing that was really interesting about it, though, too, actually, was this conversation about Bernie Sanders himself as a leader. So you have this socialist guy that we just talked about who's like he sees Bernie as seriously like a like a point of light that he can aim his uh, movement at. But the rest of the people in Chicago, this people summit, they were really not that interested in talking about Bernie Sanders specifically as a leader of what is going to come next.
1: I think, you know, first of all, it's short-sighted to say that, you know, this is only because of Bernie, that this is one person. Obviously, millions of people felt the same way that he feels.
2: It's really not about one human being. It's not about Bernie Sanders, It's and he says this himself, it's about the issues. Yeah,
3: It's never been about Bernie. He's even recognized it. it's not about him, it's about all of us and all these issues.
0: So it's not about Bernie, but you're still going to rock your Bernie T-shirt for a while.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. this is memorabilia now at this point.
1: (laughs) Nice to meet you. you. Do you think that's right? Do you think that—I mean, you know, a lot of people just like Bernie Sanders.
3: But these
0: organizer types who are the ones who are going to try to take the Bernie Sanders movement and turn it into a big progressive push all over the map— they're the ones who are the first people to say it's not about bernie and i think part of that reason is because bernie like made some mistakes like he wasn't the best at bringing everything together
1: right it's that difference between being like 40 up 40% bernie sanders won 40% of the vote and that doesn't that is second place
0: that's right and 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 this is i thought the most interesting part about being at this conference actually was when you asked people what bernie didn't do well or what lessons they can learn from bernie they like have a they have an answer right at the top like this guy I asked this one guy about it Anthony Rogers right he's a Seattle writer and he just he, he and like I said so what you know what could Bernie have done differently and he just comes sweeping right in yo you're from Brooklyn the like launch your campaign from Brooklyn and and talk about like this is the epicenter of income inequality you can't really talk about those issues in Burlington Vermont <laughs> with a regatta behind you to Lake Champlain with like yachts going in the background, like as you're making your presidential announcement about like the 1% and income inequality. It's just like, you know, and and reminding him that no democratic uh, candidate for for president has won the white vote since LBJ in 64.
1: It's the idea that you cannot win a campaign in America. If many of your, Supporters, whether you're on the left or the right, but especially within the Democratic Party, if if your rally kind of looks like a, a bunch of deadheads and you know college white college students, it's not enough.
0: It doesn't matter how many sacks you hacky, you're not. It's not going to (laughs) work. Let's check in on the guy who wasn't at the People Summit, Bernie Sanders. He hasn't dropped out. He hasn't officially endorsed Hillary Clinton. He still has Secret Service protection. In theory, he's still actively running for president. But in reality, he's back in D.C. working in the Senate as a senator. The plan he maps out could have a really big impact on how progressives and activists engage with Democratic politics going forward. Joining me to talk about that is Dave Weigel. Dave is a politics reporter for The Washington Post who's been covering the end of the Sanders campaign, really digging in a lot on what Sanders and his supporters have been doing since it became clear that Sanders wasn't going to be the Democratic nominee for president. Dave, thanks for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. You and I are both at this People's Summit. One thing that I found when I was there was I felt like at the end of the Sanders campaign, there was some conversation about the idea that maybe – Sanders support would flow over into the Green Party or some outside Democratic Party politics. They really pissed off at the Democrats. They really pissed off at Hillary Clinton. But the People's Summit was really just mostly people who were talking about influence in the Democratic Party, right? Uh, there, there will be a, a rump of people
2: who decide to protest at the convention. And I think they're, they can be pretty sure they'll get a ton of attention there. But after that, I'm not sure how much people care about them. Whereas the people who stay involved with the Democratic Party, I mean, there are places, maybe 20 states, where the Democratic Party is
0: so weakened that you can take it over if you don't show up to a meeting. So I think there's going to be a lot of that. This, to me, is the part that I think is pretty fascinating and has been uh, reflected in your reporting, too, which is that the big fear of the left right now host Bernie is not of Hillary Clinton and not of the establishment Democratic Party, but of the left holding together this time around?
2: Well, they are. this is the difficulty for somebody who's not covering this stuff every single day and talking to people every single day. This might be what's difficult to understand. This might explain why there are angry columns and slate and angry tweets, etc. Every time Bernie doesn't straight up endorse Hillary. I think it's clear that what he's doing is trying to move people towards the goal of staying maybe even not in the Democratic Party, but not working against progressivism. So he's trying to f- find a way there. This is not a guy who has been a national organizer ever before now, so he's trying to suss it out. A lot is up to Sanders in terms of what he does with the movement and where he tells them to go. Like, hey, guys, it almost worked for me. Let's,
0: let's do something constructive instead of just saying, kick over the table. So you do think Sanders plays an important part, because one thing that's interested me since I've been talking to people since this uh, has effectively become over is organizers keep saying it's not about Bernie. This is about, you know, uh, the left awakening. This isn't about Bernie. But you think that Bernie plays a very important role in the next steps of this whole thing? I think he does. uh,
2: It's clear that he wants to. Uh, It's not clear how Bernie sees the Senate part of this. I mean, he he one thing that's telling is he's kind of angling to take over the help committee, which is the committee in
0: charge of health care and all that stuff. And yeah.
2: And why that's important for Democrats. And this is this sounds like in the weeds was actually, I think, super fun and interesting and telling Uh, if if he just took over the budget committee like he's in line to do, then there'd be a Bernie Sanders alternative budget Then there'd be the White House's budget if he takes over help. He's going to be pushing things to the left, but he's not going to have that much of a difference with Democrats. And he's already signaling he wants to play with the, the larger team if they take over, take over the Senate. He thinks it'd be awesome for him if Democrats take over the Senate. And he is interested in a job that would allow him to move the party to the left, not to embarrass them. But you kind of have to read between the lines of what he's trying to do to his movement. Because he's not as hardline as a lot of his supporters are.
0: And let me just ask you just because you've been on this campaign trail for a while and it's one of the more unique campaign trails that I've been on. What was your experience covering Bernie? What was your sort of takeaway from that? Well, I regretted
2: not covering it earlier like you did, frankly, because I covered Ron Paul in 2008 and 12 and I saw something similar, which was a movement that did not fit into the way Washington typically covers campaigns. It was, I think, the most fascinating campaign this year, but for Trump. And that's I always feel a sort of sadness for Sanders supporters because in any other cycle, the success of a socialist 60s activist in a 70s almost winning the nomination, not close, but winning a couple of big states and really scaring the establishment and changing the platform would be the story in politics, but then Trump happened at the same time. Both of these campaigns are going to have long legs, and that was what I learned was just how many Americans were interested in this politics. I thought a lot were. I didn't think... The Democratic Party was had, and the independents who'd given him politics were ready for this kind of politics just
0: yet. And Bernie proved a lot of people wrong. So Dave's main point, Catherine, if I can sort of, you you know, that's Dave Weigel from Washington Post. Dave's main point is you're looking at a guy who has built up some steam and is now going to try to use that steam to kind of move the gears, the engine machinery of the Senate to more in his direction.
1: I think that's actually a very interesting point about Sanders wanting to take over the healthcare committee basically and 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 push it in the leftward direction. However, I do think Sanders has sort of wasted some of the political capital that he had earlier this cycle. One of the things that's happened in the last few weeks is that Elizabeth Warren, in the last few weeks, she endorsed Hillary Clinton. She's raised money for her. She appeared with her on stage. She's continued to attack Trump. In D.C. last, uh, two weeks ago, I guess, the, the House Democrats did a sit-in on the floor. Elizabeth Warren shows up with Dunkin' Donuts. And the thing is, is, is that she really understands, I think, how the media works. And one of the things she's done is really reemerge in the last few weeks and, well, it kind of LeBron block the momentum that Bernie Sanders had and and come out and and be in a power position within the party where she's controlling a lot of media and attention in a way that Bernie Sanders could be doing yeah. and what Dave is saying very correctly, I think is that you know he wants to do that in a real potentially policy oriented way next year in d c but right now, I think Warren is doing something that that was open to Bernie Sanders to do.
0: Yeah, I love this concept. You you've said it before. I love this kind of this Le, of this LeBron block. Like Bernie comes dribbling in, he's like, "All right, I, I got it all. I got all the momentum behind me." And Elizabeth Warren's like, "Nope."
1: Comes out of nowhere. Yeah, it just <laughs> flies in and just like stuffs it. But in terms of the movement beyond Sanders, one of the things that I think he's going to have to do if there is a role for Bernie with these progressives and with the people that have that are out there right now wanting to work is directing that energy towards something. What are the candidates? What are the policies they're pushing elsewhere? And what are the parties they're taking over in the states and you know that sort of thing? As Dave said, that that is a real thing that progressives can do, which is take over state Democratic parties.
0: Well, this actually is a great segue because it brings us right to this other – topic, which is it seems like Sanders's main tool is this email list, this email list that I mean, the importance of this thing to Bernie Sanders's movement cannot be overstated, really like he used his online engagement and this list of people that he had to raise enough money to be competitive with no corporate support and no super PACs. So he has this list he's done now. With that part of it, he's got this list, this list that of people who love him, and he can activate them and have them do stuff with it. So this guy Joseph Kavargis is a union organizer. He's a big wheel in the kind of fight for fifteen, fifteen dollars minimum wage push. He knows a lot about. He's been an organizer for twenty years. He knows a lot about organizing. And when we, when I talked to him about what happens post Bernie, this email list thing immediately pops up. Was like, okay, well let's let let's like just not have a huge fight about this list.
2: You know, what I hope comes out of this gathering is different progressive leaders get together instead of battle, right, over who gets the list, who gets to, you know, be the successor of the Bernie movement. Well, We are all successors of the Bernie movement. We should figure out how to work together and we need a strategic template.
0: This is sort of one of the areas where when we talk about the big fear of the progressive movement being that they don't hold together. The list is one of the things.
1: It's interesting because one of the big conversations has been, oh, what happens if Hillary Clinton gets that list and they send out a fundraising appeal? And I think the idea – there's this idea that if they did that, there would be a lot of people that were upset. And I think that's probably true. But I also think there's probably a lot of, say, 27-year-old women who just like Bernie Sanders and are pretty liberal but are like probably going to vote Democratic – this year who are on that list and and so therefore it is it's a huge list and it's very appealing to lots of people. I do think there is a shelf life on these lists. That was one of the things that came out of 2008, you know, from when Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama first built the huge email lists and that changed politics and all those things. Those email lists and voter files from from that election 8 years ago are basically close to worthless now because If you think about it, do you still use the same email? Do you still have the same address that you had in 2008?
0: And this speaks again to the real concern that there is among these progressives in Chicago, which is that they feel like they don't have a lot of time to come together. They have to come together. They want to uh, create a system out of the Bernie Sanders system, which was extraordinary. No one expected Bernie Sanders to do as well as Bernie Sanders did. But what you're saying I think is really interesting is that there isn't a lot of time for them to actually figure out what they're going to do with this moment because they may have a cycle or two where this 2016 Bernie Sanders list is really all that valuable still.
1: And kind of critically on that front, they really need people to run and to be candidates. I mean, that that was one of the big things that you saw in in 2010 with the Tea Party you know, that in 2010, they elected Rand Paul, Marco Rubio, who ran as a Tea Party candidate. Um, Cruz was elected in 2012. A number of governors, like Scott Walker, um, were elected in, in 2010 as well. And a lot of those, can- uh, you know, like the big class of Republicans, of very conservative Republican candidates, came out of that Tea Party.
0: Yeah, I spoke to Linda Sarsour about this. Linda was a Bernie surrogate and worked on his campaign during outreach to the Muslim community. She really believes that the moment for progressives, you know, of all different causes to come together and stay together is now.
2: Most of the people that are here are people that have already been organized way before Bernie ever got here. And I have been in these meetings recently and people are committed to unity. People are committed to intersectionality, which was not something that we did 10, 15 years ago. People never think, thought about immigrant rights versus environmental justice, environmental racism, right? Looking at issues of racial justice as a framework. And we are doing that this time. So this is not, this movement right here is not going anywhere. People don't just show up to Chicago on their own dime because this is going to end somewhere. No one brought us here. We chose to be here. There's 3,000 people that just are wait, like using their time in a on a weekend when we could be doing something else. It's Ramadan, too, by the way. I'm Muslim. I should be home. I should be fasting. I should be with my family. But I chose to be here because I'm committed to this revolution.
0: It's people like Linda who are going to be spending the next, you know, eight years slogging their way through local elections and Democratic Party politics and trying to figure out how to make the Bernie Sanders movement you know, last and last, Linda Sarsour is one of Bernie Sanders' delegates for the Democratic Convention in Philadelphia. It doesn't get much more institutional than that. But that's probably not the story you're going to be hearing about when it comes to the Bernie Sanders movement over the next month. For that story, you had to go into the basement of the People's Summit where a group of progressives were practicing a very different approach to influencing the Democratic Party. What's a collective way that we might be able to get in the space of bravery?
1: Hold
3: hands. Hold hands? Hold hands. Lock, arms. Lock, elbows. Lock, arms.
1: Lock elbows. Lock
3: arms?
2: Protect
0: okay. Just to set the stage here for what this was, I, I, I'm in the basement, I, I'm walking around, trying to find this meeting I'd heard about, and I come across this group, and these protest teachers, these people, these protest facilitators are explaining what this process is. That basically they're planning for something called a blockade. A blockade is a protest where you go on a march, you reach a th- something like an intersection or someplace, and you lock arms in this human chain and you sit down in the middle of the intersection and you block traffic. What they were planning for was in the police then come and try to physically remove you by sort of unlocking this... Human chain and arresting you one by one. If
3: you remain in this area, you will be subject to arrest.
0: So I just so you're just in this uh, protest planning meeting or protest practice meeting. Yeah. Is your plan to go to Philadelphia and protest?
3: Yes, that's what we're going to be doing. And uh, the, you know the convention, uh, it's a big place to be. It's a big place to protest, and we feel like you know it's going to be a great place. We hope a lot of people are going to come out and uh, definitely show that America can change and that we can all come together for this.
0: What's your goal with the protest? Is it to sort of make it so people can't get in, or close it down, or stop it, or what's the goal?
3: We don't really want to disrupt um, the outside world. You know, what we want to do is we want to show them, we want to show them that there is something serious going on here, and there's no reason that we would just be out here risking to get arrest, uh, arrested or anything else. And how does getting arrested in Philadelphia help make your point? Getting arrested itself is not what really proves anything, but um, the establishment does not want us to disrupt. Uh, The actions that they are doing You know they want us to just like stay calm uh, Just do you know and follow in suit So it's not getting arrested But it's going against you know Questioning authority you know Definitely giving your voice out there Two different
0: approaches that progressives Are taking in a post Bernie world right There are the people who are Trying to change the Democratic Party from the Inside that's like a Linda Sarsour. And then there are people like Kane DeHeave, who I was just talking to right then, who believes there can't be change on the inside without some ruckus on the outside.
1: So which so which is it?
0: Right. It's a very interesting divide. Because we started this whole thing out talking about how this Bernie or bust hashtag is basically just a hashtag. And the polls bear out the fact that Most people who supported Bernie Sanders are going to vote for Hillary Clinton in vast numbers. Most people who support Bernie Sanders are going to be Democrats in vast numbers.
1: I think it's down to about 8%. Only 8% of Bernie supporters are not going to vote for Hillary. And I'm kind of curious about a lot of Bernie brought out a lot of people who don't traditionally vote. So it's not even necessarily clear that everyone who voted for Bernie is a usual general election voter.
0: So here's what we've heard today. Progressives feel ready to engage the Democratic Party. They think they can work with Hillary Clinton. They think they can achieve their goals by working inside the process. Bernie Sanders is setting the pace for that with a future that looks more like that of a policy wonk than of a bomb-throwing ideologue. The big questions remain. What happens to Bernie's email lists? Who controls them? And can the left stay unified? That's the real linchpin of whether or not the Bernie Sanders movement continues to be a big part of politics moving forward when Bernie Sanders is no longer part of it. I agree. And we don't know if they can.
1: I don't know. Yeah.
0: You might say no one knows.
1: You might, you might say that.
0: Catherine, thank you for coming on. Catherine Miller, political editor at BuzzFeed News, thank you for coming in.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: No One Knows Anything is produced by Meg Kramer. Editorial oversight from Catherine Miller and Eleanor Kagan. Production help from Julia Furlan and Antonia Sarajito. Our music was composed by Beauty Pill. Find us on iTunes, on Twitter, we're at BuzzFeed Paul, or at No One Knows. You can email us at, no one knows anything at BuzzFeed.com. I'm your host, Evan McMorris-Santoro, and we'll be back soon with more things we don't know.